0: Your host for LaCrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of LaCrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, now is a good time to do that. I'm gonna to bring Tom Manley on from Moses Organic Farming Conference. The Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. That's what Moses stands for. They've got their farming conference on Thursday, beginning on Thursday, and it goes through Saturday. Thursday's the day, though, if you want to go to wisdomnews.com, I wrote a story about a conversation I had a couple weeks ago with uh, Lori Stern, the executive director there at Moses, but just the the idea that Thursday is kind of the day. If you want to go check out what Moses Organic Farming Conference is about, it's free that day, and then that night is uh, kind of a cool dinner with uh, Tori Miller, uh, kind of a... I, I, i'm not a big foodie mike hayes is a big foodie so he might be better we're trying to get Tori to come on with mike tomorrow morning or thursday morning um but he's kind of a a big deal <laughs> he's been on the food network uh iron chef i think was the show and uh yeah i had to learn a little bit about oh this is this is kind of big time so he's hosting a dinner and he's the key keynote speaker thursday so we're going to talk all about that stuff but uh, along with that, not just we're not just going to talk about Moses. I like to bring these people on, and then talk about farming and exactly you know where we're at in the world with with farming because these are the experts right here, and um, yeah, so it'll be it, it should be a really good conversation. Looking forward to it with Tom Manley, who himself is obviously I think they're all farmers in one way or another, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, what he does and just where. Uh, He said some stuff to me that I was like, oh, I did not know that about farmers in general. That seems kind of off putting in terms of, uh, you know, the sustainability, (laughs) the sustainability of being a farmer, not the sustainability of farming in general, because there's there's a whole other conversation. We might get into that as well. Uh, Before we do that, though, there was an arrest made uh, this morning. Early this morning, 1:30 a.m. So it was weird to say this morning when it's 1:30. But uh, this guy shot at police apparently, so uh, they were trying to catch, uh, uh maybe maybe ask him about a theft. And around 1:30, uh, reportedly turned toward an officer and fired a shot. No one was injured though, so thank God for that. Um, State Patrol, Sheriff's Office, a Police uh, formed a perimeter, so the whole. The whole kitten caboodle of law enforcement were had, had this guy surrounded at, at a point. So uh, he had four warrants out for his arrest, uh, two from Lacrosse County, one federal warrant for a firearm violation. So this is the this is the thing. You know, I was that we could we could maybe start this right now because we don't always get this doesn't happen obviously very often. But you know what? what's the deal with the gun? That's kind of the question I want to know going forward here. We we like first, you know, what's the deal with this dude? You know, if he's got four arrest warrants out, you know, how does that happen? But also, like, where did he get a gun? What's the deal with the gun? Uh, And we'll know what happens with the gun because it's going to get destroyed. We talked to police chief Sean Kudron about that a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was just the conversation I wanted to have. I'm like, eh, you know what happens with the gun? We don't often talk about it, so I don't even know what kind of gun it was at this point. The police just put out a notice, but you can read that at wisdomnews.com. So that's one thing. I was lost a lot of news, man. I should have just told Tom we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> but um, also, Mayo's gonna just just gonna build a new hospital. This is something that's not all that surprising because we knew a couple weeks ago they held a special. I don't want to say a council meeting but they held a special meeting with the city some city leaders in terms of uh you know here's the plan what do you think i guess and uh looks like that's going to go forward Mayo clinic announced it's going to build a six-story hospital on um, along west avenue so uh there's that and um you know just some other news it's going to happen here in about 20 minutes and you probably could zoom into this but i think our farming conversation might be more interesting at this point, we'll have the what happens with this city council meeting uh, after the fact. But the uh, couple was it a couple months ago, a couple of weeks ago, the city and the county tried to like combine to buy the chamber of commerce building. I think the chamber of commerce building was for sale for a while. Nobody was interested, and then the city council plan because they've got to announce this stuff. You can't just go buy it. You kind of have to go get the approval to do it. And then you have to do it through the city and the, the, the county. Right. So it becomes pretty big news. Hey, the city and the county are teaming up to buy the chamber of commerce building. And they're going to use it as like a middle man, so to speak. Middle bridge housing is, is kind of like the, the middle ground between not having home a home and getting a home, right. Getting shelter. Right. So for homeless people, And they were going to buy it. It was perfect. It was uh, the building was perfect for like an administrative center. And the amount of land there, the parking lot was big enough to build bridge housing. And then word got out because that's huge news. And somebody snuck in and bought the building with $2.1 million in cash. Just we're going to take it. Uh, And that's that's that. So that plan gets gets out and somebody decides that. That doesn't, we don't want that to happen. So we're going to buy the building. And I think, I think, I feel like that's what happened. It just seems really weird that the chamber building would be, you know, for sale for a while. And then somebody comes in with a cash offer that they can't refuse. Like you can't refuse that. It's an amazing offer. So the city county plan goes away until just today. When the, or yesterday, I should say, they they announced a a special meeting, city council special meeting. They're going to buy a hotel on the south side, Maple Grove Motel. I said hotel, motel. On Mormon Cooley Road, uh, maybe that's what the meeting's about. So we'll find out that we'll have that at wisdomnews.com. The meeting's at 5:30, so Brad is in on that meeting, and he'll have the news after that. Uh, but yeah, so the the city is looking to to do this. You know, they they announced what last week they were going to turn Hooska into a campground. I don't know if a lot of people are super excited about that, including. People that are homeless, I, I feel like that's a better situation than they are in in other other summers. You know, being in Huska and, and worrying, or being in Cameron and having uh, to be kicked out of there in the middle of the night, and it just it, does, it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. Uh, it's not great for anybody. Uh, so if they can do this motel deal, that'll that'll help solve this. Issue we have with more and more people becoming homeless, more and more people out without shelter. All right. So that's the news. It's all on wisdomnews.com. There's three different stories there. They're pretty big. And uh speaking of pretty big, Moses Organic Farming Conference is coming to the La Crosse Center. I I wanna say it's the biggest thing that the lacrosse center does. They've been doing doing it for twenty years, but now they've got a new building to play with, a new renovated lacrosse center. So we'll ask Tom about his first impressions about that, Tom Manley. And and just you know a little bit about Moses, and then more about what you know the the situation with farmers in the world today, right now. We'll be, we'll be back. Brad's got to do the news. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We'll make it at the text line because Tom Tom Manley is on with me now. Tom is the you're the partnership director. I don't know. Are you just uh, are you are you matching people up there at Moses? <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, it, it's it's an unusual title. I don't run into too many other partnership directors, but my my job involves kind of connecting dots. I, I work a lot with sponsors and exhibitors and and advertisers. We have a newspaper that we produce six times a year, and we always run ads. And so I'm kind of constantly in contact with people in our farming community. So I look for opportunities to make connections between organizations and to connect to Moses' work. And, and so we, we, we partner with a lot of organizations um, around the region and the country on on grant projects and just everybody working with mission alignment to change
0: our food system. Now, Moses stands for Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. The farming conference begins Thursday. And I, I said before you came on here earlier in the show, just Thursday is kind of the day to, to, to – to come. If anyone wants to just like, what is this thing about? I can go check it out. And if I, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I, d- I did talk with Lori Stern, your executive director a couple of weeks ago. I think maybe uh, over the last two years, a lot of people have started to think about farming and just mini maybe just maybe a little bit, make it a little bit more of a hobby in their yard uh, over the last two years. Have you seen that? Is that, can you tell that that's
1: happened? I, I think that's absolutely happening. And I think that, I think that the disruptions that people encountered, maybe for the first time in their lives during the the, particularly the early part of the pandemic, woke up a lot of people to just how fragile our supply chains can be, and how um, something that is you know you know problematic like a pandemic, but not catastrophic, uh, can still disrupt those supply chains and and you know result in empty store shelves. So. I think people really started asking questions um about where their food is coming from, how far away, what are the kinds of things that can create disruptions and prevent me from having access to it. And there were I mean there were some things that were, you know, and we're still feeling it. We're still feeling some of the ripple effects, you know, with the the price of meat and some other things that they haven't really um, you know, gone back to where what people were accustomed to and maybe they never will. And um, you know, so it's I I think I think a lot of people are starting to Ask questions about how do we shorten those supply chains? How do I get closer to my food? And you know, in in, in an effort to to remain safe and secure, it really, it, in in and to a large extent, it is a national security issue. And I'm, it, it's it's refreshing to hear some some people in high places starting to talk about it that way because you know, food food needs to be a a local thing and a regional thing, and and the shorter that ch- that supply chain is, the safer we all are.
0: The, the the idea that I become self-sustainable with my tiny little garden, um, it it hasn't worked out for me, Tom. I, I, I'm going to have to <laughs> depend on somebody to make my food for me, or grow it, it my food, I tall, should say. Yeah.
1: I'm um, gonna, I was going to say it is a tall order to 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 try and produce all of your calories, and we we are reliant on on farmers, and and probably always will be. I mean, even if all of us pla- if if we all planted a garden. That would be that would be a fantastic thing. You know, we should all be producers in whatever capacity we can, and, and not just consumers. But you know, we are going to be reliant on farmers of all kinds to produce the bulk of our calories. Um, and you know, whether whether we're talking about grain or meat or milk, uh, those those components of our diet, you know, we most of us don't have the acreage to to be in a position to produce that stuff for ourselves, but. We are mostly, I mean, particularly in places like La Crosse, as close as we are to, you know, a, a real hotbed of organic farming here in the Driftless. It's, you, we have more, we have as many organic farmers here in the Driftless as any place in the country, you know, and per capita maybe more. It's, uh, this is kind of the birthplace of the, the organic movement. And so there are lots of options for folks in and around La Crosse to, to buy locally, to get to know farmers, to shorten that chain up as much as possible,
0: you know. We're speaking with Thomas Manley. He's the partnership director at Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. The farming conference begins Thursday, runs through Saturday. Uh, most people that are kind of interested in this, maybe not ready to like take the full dive. We're going to want to check out the lacrosse center on Thursday. Uh, Tom, I did read, I, I read this. You only need a half acre and 35 chickens and you could be self-sustainable.
1: No, oh, well, yeah, it, maybe it's. I'm. Yeah, I mean, for for years and years, there've been you know all sorts of approaches that talk about really small, small, a, a small acre approaches to to being you know self sufficient like that. But again, I you know I've I've seen very few examples in my experience of folks who are actually meeting all of their caloric needs that way. But you can absolutely make a huge dent in it. And there's no better food you'll ever eat than the stuff you're you're producing yourself, and you know, and and the stuff that's coming from you know literally right down the road or as close by as possible. That's that the quality's better, and there's just there's no substitute for knowing your farmer's name.
0: I can keep my plants alive. I just can't get them to produce any uh, calories for me. I can keep them alive <laughs> all winter. I've I've kept a, a green pepper plant alive for like four years, uh, but it only wow. produced like one pepper. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um uh okay so can you just tell me a little bit about you know th- and i bring up the idea that during a pandemic people needed something to do so they probably got outside and started growing stuff in their yard i i would yeah. love to see my neighbor just till up his giant lawn that he mows like three, two three times a week i'm like you know this is a lot of acres right here we could just put a cool garden and you wouldn't have to mow all the time but i think he likes mowing the lawn um, but the, the idea that a lot of people turned in, turn this into a hobby a little bit, farming or just growing stuff, uh, they could probably come on Thursday. it be a good time to come on Thursday and just check things out. Right. And kind of ask some questions.
1: Sure. Yeah. We we're on Thursday night. you know, you, you don't have to be a, a registered attendee to come and join us, uh, starting at five o'clock the exhibit hall will be open. We've got, uh, you know, 160 plus exhibitors in the exhibit hall. Um, you know, a lot of those products are geared toward, you know, more broadacre farmers, but there's certainly a lot of stuff for, for people who are producing on a small scale as well. And, and it's just an opportunity to, to learn a lot about, um, you know, how, what organic producers are doing to produce your food, whether we're talking about dairy or grain or market garden produce. I mean, there's, we, there's every type of farmer is a part of our community because every type of farmer is a part of the or, you know, organic pr- production. And it's, you know, so it is an opportunity to just sort of get a sense of what the farmers in our community do and what they grow. But it, you can also join us for dinner where, um, it, you know, for, for $25, you can join us. where We've got a guest chef, Tory Miller, where we, we're thrilled that he was a part of putting that menu together. And uh, he's going to be uh, talking about some of these very topics about, about local food and about connecting, con- connecting the, the farm to the plate as directly as possible. Um, so yeah, the, we we would love for as many people in in the in the lacrosse community to come and join us as as possible on Thursday night. So we're trying to make it make it easy and affordable, and uh, everyone's welcome.
0: All right, you said twenty five dollars. I've seen online thirty dollars, so I'm just gonna everyone just take the podcast with them after it it gets online after the show. And uh, play it when you go to the go to buy the ticket on Thursday, right?
1: <laughs> well, I know it was initially, so maybe maybe the the, the door price might be thirty. So you, don't, don't quote me on that. But uh, oh, too uh, late, we, we got you quoted, man. Easy, we got this so.
0: is live. We got you quoted. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. The, yeah. So so Tori Miller is. You, you talk about like farm to table. I've had I had a friend. I was at the grocery store with her one time and. I was like, I was going to buy, I remember, I think it was apples, you know? And I was like, these, you know, I like these apples. She's like, you should buy these apples. They're from, you know, closer. They're from the United States. I don't, I remember if they were from like a neighboring state or, you know, apples in this area, you could just get apples pretty easily. Um, But I was like, well, these are cheaper, but um, you know, like how often can we, can we do this? Can we buy stuff that's local? Because I, I, if it seems a little bit difficult, especially in the winter, we, we, we're not growing a lot of stuff in the winter time.
1: This and and this is this is something. I mean, it, for the longest time, we've all become accustomed to having access to any 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 food we want, uh, and and we've also become accustomed to just our, our food being cheap. And I think honestly, we're we're paying we're we're paying the, the um, we're paying the costs that aren't rolled into that purchase price. It, through, um, through public health, through environmental health. The fact is, you know, good food costs money to produce, and we need to become more accustomed as consumers to paying a little more for our food. The fact is, most of the rest of the world pays a a slightly higher percentage of their of their income for food, and they get better food for it. And you know, I know know that that's a a really unpopular idea. And you know, if I was a politician, you would never you would never say such a thing because it would be political suicide. But but it, it is the truth we 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 have the food system we have in large part because we've insisted on on cheap food and that that just has ripple effects and repercussions around the world when when you know, the, the it, i mean on a, on a huge scale when we talk about you know the the impact that the fruit trade in places like Central America has had i mean i could go on i could literally go on for hours about just that topic
0: well but, that that's but, what i was going to get into do we have to like change <laughs> our mindset in because I'm, we're pretty spoiled, right? If I want a lime, just they're like ten cents at Woodman's. You know, if I want to get a lime or a bunch of limes, right? Uh, but, yeah. but the do we have to change our mentality? You know what? It's not in season. It's not from here. I shouldn't be. I should just buy the things. Like asparagus is kind of the perfect example for me. Although I can go to some stores and get asparagus, but for me, I'm only eating asparagus when I can go pick it. And when it's just from here, and then when it's kind of out of season, I don't eat it anymore. Do we kind of, kind of think about that with all our food?
1: I, I, I really do think we do. And and and, and this is this is strange, you know, at, at this point. But it was it was a generation or two ago that everyone kind of ate that way. Our grandparents and our great grandparents, they they had root cell sellers. They they understood preservation techniques. They would. You know, the, when the harvest comes in, you find ways to preserve it so you can enjoy it through through the rest of the year. And you know, I'm I'm never going to tell anyone they can't you know they shouldn't enjoy a banana or an orange or a lime. But I'm you know maybe with less frequency than we do, and and we do need to get better at eating eating the things that that grow in in this place and and in our in our region and doing a better job of. Of of value adding and preserving those things and making those a, a bigger part of our diet, just yeah. j- exactly the way our grandparents did. It's they ate better and they were healthier for it, and that was that was a big part of it. And and you know that that stuff, you know, it's there if it's if it's if if it's produced close to home and it's preserved close to home, it's it's there. Even, even you know, if the electricity went out for six months, you still have access to that food that's close by. If it's not in your root cellar, it's in your neighbor's root cellar. And My- I mean. Uh, and I know this is a stretch for people to think about eating this way again, but I just I I think we would all be better off if we could, you know, kind of make that leap of faith and and move back in that direction.
0: I gotta I gotta take a break here quick, but like, what are we if we're doing it that way? And my parents have a root cellar, but it's just squash and potatoes and maybe the, maybe that's your answer but it's it's late february it's almost march if we were doing it that way what would we be eating when it comes to stuff that came out of the ground at this point we would be really desperate man i guess we're gonna have potatoes again <laughs> like it just seems like potatoes and squash that's all we're gonna eat that
1: no 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 I mean, there's there are preservation techniques for just about every single thing we grow here and we we, we live in, in a, we live in a very very rich place. We can grow a lot of things here and we have a we have we have fertile soil and we have the ability to grow a diversity of 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 you know crops. But how Whether, do we keep you know, it treat, treat, how do
0: we keep it till March?
1: Uh it depends on what you're keeping. I mean fermentation <laughs> is a great method. There's you know canning. Oh yeah, uh, okay. It's there's there's any number of ways to preserve that stuff and I you know I know that in the world we live in, you know very few people have have that time, but um, you know, those are those are products that people are producing, that small farmers are producing, and many in many cases producing on farm and in inspected kitchens on their own farm, and and selling those things direct or selling them through your local co-op.
0: That's all coming I, back I, I, to it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, the 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 amount of canned stuff that my grandma used to <laughs> used to do. So, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't done that in a while, Tom. Imagine that. Um, all right, we got to take a better too. <laughs> yeah, we got to take a quick break. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Ranting to Tom. I'm ranting uh, over the break about about 90 different things. You can tell I'm like, I, I have like 90 things I want to talk about. And I think you do too. And then there's like, we have to pick one because we only have so much time. But, you know, uh, somebody texts in, Tom, uh, when can we omit the big corp farms and all food will thankfully be organic. I don't think we're going to ever get to all food will be organic. I think it would be an ideal world, maybe. Uh, it be. It will, I mean, we might have maybe too many people in the world to, to sustain that. But um, the, the idea that, okay, so the, the last thing I was ranting about, and I don't like picking up farmers, but when I'm driving around and sea farms, we're growing corn, which is used for gasoline, and we're growing uh, food that is used to feed our food. We're essentially—it seems like most of the food that we grow around here is food that feeds the food. So, uh, you know, do, how many how many farms in the area are actually putting literally the like food to table that I that I can access?
1: In 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 a place like the the Driftless here, more than you would find just about any place else, just because of how deeply embedded the organic movement was here very, very early on. And, and, and the fact that there's, there's a, a co-op, a co-op like uh, Organic Valley, uh, Organic Valley and Organic Prairie, the, the, the crop co-op, they, they buy from a big pool of farmers, both, um, you know, for, for, they have a produce pool, they have the, obviously the dairy pool, they're one of the biggest organic dairy brands in, in the country. Um, but they're headquartered right here in, in Baroque and Lafarge. So, they, you know, they they had a lot to do with making, you know, with making good food available to people people here locally. But I mean, if we look at the the, the entire food landscape, it is it is dominated by corporate interests, and we have there's a real problem with consolidation in ag and with. Uh, fewer and fewer corporations having more and more control. It's it's, it's very very evident in in um, the in the meat packing industry. I mean, there's a handful of players that basically control all of the infrastructure and all of the supply chains related to meat, and they tend to they they produce they produce the cheapest meat they can, and they do that by growing a commodity like like corn or in some cases beans, and they they feed those to animals in confinement in confinement. Situations.
0: I've got the stat, Uh, Tom. I've got the stat for you. This is from Lori's article that she sent to me, Lori Stern, the executive director at Moses. Uh, Four multinational meat packers in the U.S. control 54% of the poultry processing, 66% of pork packing, and 85% of beef packing. 85% by four four, uh, multinational corporations.
1: Yeah. And that is most of the meat you find on your shelves in your supermarkets. And if it, where you can find exceptions to that, you have to seek them out. We have to. The answer to how do we how do we put a dent in the number of corporate farms and and change the types of farms that are out here on the landscape? We do that by changing what we buy and what we eat as consumers. We. We we, will, we can support what we want and and we it takes a little extra effort. I mean I, w- I, w- I won't lie it it, it, it it is not as easy as doing what we've all been trained to do, which is just go to whichever grocery store is closest to you, whoever that might be and and spend your money there and and you know and repeat you know just just, just any you know you you show up at the grocery store when you need something and you just keep repeating that process over and over to, for we we have to take some, um, some initiative on, on, on our you know up, up, up upon ourselves to, to reach out to find to find the farmers we want to be working with to buy from the intermediaries who are buying from those farmers a great way to do it if you live in, in, in or around Lacrosse or Rochester it, people's Food Co-op they're, they're, they're a perfect example of the, the kinds of places we can be shopping if we want to change our food system and they they, you, you have access to foods that are sourced locally they buy from producers right here in in the driftless region and they and they put it on the shelf and they're also responsive to their customers when if there's something you want to see or not see on those shelves you can they, they they take that feedback and they often act on feedback like that it, good good co-ops do that in communities all over the place and you, and you're lucky here in lacrosse to have have a great co-op, if people, people's co-op. If you're not a member, become a member. There, that's you know, those are the kind, That's that's the way that we can do. We can speak with our food dollars to to have some impact. But I mean, we're we're it's a it's an uphill battle. I mean, we're we we it's a David and Goliath sort of situation. We there are deeply entrenched large corporate interests that have influence over the farm bill and and how how you know monies are allocated and spent and you know we need to ask for something different both from our lawmakers and from the people we're buying our food from
0: all right i gotta write farm bill down because i gotta (laughs) i know you wanted to talk about we're speaking with thomas man tom manley he's a partnership director at moses the organic farming conference is in town they're in town now but they they open up 5 p.m thursday free to the public to go and then that night there's a $25 Twenty-five to thirty-dollar dinner with Tory Miller, who's who's kind of a big deal, right? He's like I don't know anything about. Uh, I'm not a foodie, so I'm not like this. Uh, I'm not watching the Food Network, Tom. I don't know if you are, but Tory Miller is pretty big deal, right?
1: Yep, yeah, for sure. He's 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 recognized and awarded for his culinary skills, and we are absolutely uh, you know thrilled that he was a part of our Thursday night meal and helped helped curate that meal, and that he's going to be, you know, addressing everybody there and talking about, you know, like I said, a lot of these topics. Just, you know, where, just more directly connecting the food on our plate to to the where it came from and the and the people who produced it. So, and I, that's something we should all be engaged in. There's really there are a few things in life that are as important as food and community. I mean, those are those are the things. I think we often lose sight of just how simple, you know. A a good life can really be, and I and I know from my own personal experience when 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 I refocused on food and community, it's it just it makes for a better quality of life. It really does.
0: It's funny too because when when I think of the organic farming conference, I think about growing the food and and how we get to the food gets to the table everything that comes to before I put the thing in my mouth. But what happens Thursday is probably like the highlight of all your work, right? Like there's going to be, Tori Miller's going to put on this dinner, and there's going to be like local, localized or however, you, what what is it? What did she call it? Spirits, something local spirits or something like that. But like all these organic drinks and food, uh, this is going to be the highlight, right? Thursday night? Yep.
1: Yeah, it, 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 and it is. It, it, I mean, this is our opportunity to, to to socialize, which is something I think a lot of people are really eager for uh, after what we've been through in the last co- you know couple of years, we're we're happy to be we we get a lot of support from 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 a lot of organizations here locally, including Lacrosse Distilling and Pearl Street Brewing is going to be joining us and have some product available. Um, so we, we we will have a cash bar in the exhibit hall. So folks are walking around and learning from from all of the exhibitors who are present there. They have an opportunity to. To grab a couple of drinks while they're there, and you know those that that supports us and supports the the lacrosse center, but and, and makes it possible for us to keep doing this kind of thing, you know, from year to year, uh, and we're grateful for the support that we that we got from lacrosse distilling and pearl brewing and Hoke orchard and others who make that product available. So, um, and, and there's no better you know there's no better way to get connected to. To your food and where it comes from than through taste i mean it's it's when we're enjoying these things that's honestly what it's all about it's and,
0: yeah, I, and I think and that's, that's what I was, for a lot of people that's what i was saying like right. I, I, the 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 work that it takes to get to the thing and i i always kind of forget like how oh the highlight is eating and drinking this stuff so uh, yep absolutely um all right so uh, somebody texted in again they the organic uh organic and win but they need to be cheaper, and how can we do this? And I was just as you were talking, I was writing this stuff down. You, you mentioned Organic Valley, and my girlfriend is she gets Organic Valley milk, right? She gets the organic milk, um, and I definitely noticed that when hey Rick, can you pick up milk? And I kind of oh, it's it's eight dollars a gallon, and when I if I go to to the the other milk, it's like two dollars a gallon, so. Um, you know, and that kind of goes into this text. Or, or if you go to the store, hamburger is sometimes cheaper than, than salad, which it, it blows my mind. Like, you know, can you explain why this happens and can we change this or do we just have to, like, because a lot of people aren't, aren't able to spend that that much money, you know, to eat better, I guess. But maybe they need to change their priorities. Yeah. Well, I think there
1: is some of that. And, and I mean, it, it, our, all, all of our food... Needs to you know we've priced food below the cost of production in most cases for such a long time. We our entire agriculture system and farm bill has traditionally been been designed to subsidize a large quantity of inexpensive food, but it's not. It's certainly not the best food, and and I we are feeling the health repercussions of that as as a nation. I mean, food is medicine and you know i with the, with what we've been through with the pandemic this is something i'm hoping is part of this discussion moving forward why did why did we as a country fare so poorly compared to so much of the rest of the of the industrialized world and i think it's in large part because of what our food system has become and i really hope that that ends up being a part of the discussion because i think we set ourselves up for bad outcomes with something like you know a virus or something else that's likely to come you know, that we're likely to encounter in the not-too-distant future. And, and you know, health, health starts with, with the food we eat and the healthy soil that it's grown in. And our, unfortunately, our agriculture system for, for, you know, a generation or more now has, has been extractive. It, it, it extracts the life out of the soil, and we're left with this lifeless medium, and our food is reflective of that. And real food, organically grown food that's grown in healthy living soil, it, it, that translates into human health and community health. And, and, you know, it's, I know it's a difficult thing for us to, to sometimes get our head around, but those things are absolutely linked and, and one can't exist without the other. And it's, it's important that we, that we reconnect with that idea of, of, you know, human health and community health being rooted in soil health. And it, it is, it, it has everything to do with how we farm and, and the changes we need to make in how we farm.
0: That's why I say when, when we want to be self-sustainable with a half acre and thirty-five chickens, Tom, I'm taking the, the chicken egg shells and I'm putting them back in the soil. That's what I'm doing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we, got, we have to. We have to feed. With it, that, that is that is the root of, of uh, at the root of organic farming. I mean, every good organic farmer I've, I've ever known or worked with or learned from, it's all about feeding the soil. That is the root of it. You're, you don't feed the crop; you feed the soil, so the soil can feed the crop. And that is absolutely counter to to what modern agriculture has become we we pump we pump all the fertilizer that that crop needs into the soil because the soil can no longer feed the crop so it becomes it becomes the farmer's responsibility to do that and that's where all of those input costs come from and and so much of the pollution and the nitrates in our water and all of that is the result of that what we've done to the soil through through any number of things, but you know, continual application of of fertilizer and, and herbicide and pesticide and tillage on tillage is just it's 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 depleted our soil resources to the point where we're forced to feed the crop every single season.
0: We're speaking and, with and We're speaking with Tom Malley's partnership director at Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The organic farming conference uh, opens up at 5 p.m. Thursday. Okay, Tom, you you mentioned farm bill. I know you 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 guys are uh, Moses, right? When I say you guys, uh, you're working with uh, big the 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 egg secretary in the in the country on on a new farm bill or what? Well,
1: we we don't do that directly. We do that as part of uh, in, in with other organizations in our community as part of coalition. So we're we're a member of NAC uh, and and NSAC, the National um, Sustainable Ag uh, Coalition. They they do lobbying and OFA or the Organic Farmers Association. They as a member organization in those coalitions, we we have a voice and and we are involved in discussions that that happen all the time, honestly, continuously about what priorities are. Um, we different organizations bring different things to the table, so. There's there's opportunities for an organization like Moses to have uh, farm bill listening sessions. It's something we're actually doing at our conference this year, um, so that that you know NSAC and NOC and OFA and others can hear directly from farmers what the what the biggest priorities are, and then we collectively take that feedback to to lawmakers in at the state level and in Washington. It's it, that's kind of how the process works. It's really. You know, making sure that the voices are heard, and then we collectively amplify our voices so that the law, so lawmakers have a sense of what's important to the farmers we serve, and oftentimes those things, you know, are, are reflected in in the appropriations that that ultimately make their way through through Congress, and we think that there is an opportunity now. There seems to be more of an appetite for. Um, you know, talking about a lot of the the policy approaches that are important to the farmers we serve, uh, than than there maybe ever has been before. So we're we're hopefully optimistic that the 2023 Farm Bill is going to be reflective of the direction we would like you know agriculture to
0: move. You were you were talking to, to the about this with me before the show, but the idea that uh, farming right now is is more of a hobby than a than a job because you said most farmers have to have a second job.
1: It, almost every, it, it, all, it, and I mean, there are statistics on this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tiny percentage, just like I, I don't know the number, but it's in that it's, it's you know, south of 10% of, of farmers actually are, are able to support themselves and their farm exclusively through farming. So, virtually every farmer at every scale, they have some kind of off farm income to help support farming. And I think that alone should tell us that, that what we're doing isn't working. And and really, the only farmers who are farming full time, and that is their that's their sole source of income, are are they tend to be larger acre producers, you know, broad acre producers, and they usually inherited their land because land you know land access is a huge issue in, in, in farming of all kinds, and and, P, and allowing young people to get into farming, it's it's really it's prohibitive. It, the, the cost of land makes it. You know, the, having to service that debt makes it nearly impossible to do it through farming alone.
0: And, well, and then you know, the, they, this, the money making in farming isn't to use all that acreage to grow green beans and peas, right? Like that's <laughs> that would be my ideal is if I could just have uh, green beans and peas grown outside my door all the time. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the, those are the sorts of things that just about everybody can can produce, you know, for themselves. They're those kinds of crops, because even even in a yard on on re- a really small piece of ground. You can go a long way toward making a dent in, in your consumption of those kinds of vegetables and even small fruits and things. Um, so there are lots of opportunities to do that. But most most farming in this country, we, we grow a handful of crops. We grow corn and beans and wheat, and you know, and and alfalfa and some other things that we use to f- primarily to feed animals in confinement for milk and meat and. Um, you know and a lot of that corn is used for in the ethanol trade too and I, I don't know I mean there's just recent news coming out about just how horribly inefficient the the conversion of corn into ethanol is and it's just it's it, it it's it's a it's a net loss of energy so I mean there's Oh, it's really it, good know, on your
0: engine too. Talk to my dad about how great ethanol is for your engine. Yeah. Um, okay, last thing before I let you go uh, the the renovated lacrosse center. I almost I almost forgot. You you get in there, and I know you probably took the tour earlier in in the year, but you get in there and and what were your thir- what your what were your impressions? And you know, uh, like how much more are you going to be able to utilize this year?
1: It's it's the all of North Howell is completely different. It was. You know, they, we were, we were lucky to have um, been part of the discussions when, when the plans were, um, you know, being made and, and they were kind enough to ask us about the sorts of things that, that we would want to see in a facility like this. And I know that they asked lots of people, I mean, where there are, you know, any number of events that come here, come to town and other events that, that will likely come to town and, and, and be hosted at the Lacrosse Center because of these changes The the, the spaces in North Hall, the new workshop rooms, the new ballrooms, the the view of the river from from that side, it's it. They did a really nice job. It's good design and and excellent execution, and and we're thrilled because you know we we we've had years where we've been, you know, where we were at capacity and just simply out of room, and and this gives us this gives us the opportunity and some flexibility to. To do some things in you know in an effort to in, increase the size of our audience and bring even more folks to to lacrosse every February, so we're, we're thrilled and, there... and grateful and grateful to the lacrosse center and the city of lacrosse for for all the work they've done here.
0: Is there a little tinge of monster truck exhaust in there from last weekend?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> no. They those they, the, the crew here at the lacrosse center does an amazing job of cleaning that up. When I when I first discovered that the monster truck rally was always like right before our conference. You, I mean, you you have to you have to go look and find any of the dirt. It's 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 a pretty impressive undertaking that they that they that they managed to get all of that dirt out of there and and get set up for us. So yeah, pretty pretty awesome crew here at the lacrosse center.
0: And I just have like thirty seconds, but wouldn't you wouldn't this be better to have the conference? You know, when it's nice out, and now you could you could utilize that patio that overlooks the river.
1: It would be. It would be. You know, we, we get asked this question a lot. It would be great, but the fact is, farmers farmers are so every type of farmer is super busy through every part of the year except right now. Right. Yeah. And you, it's this is the time of year when farmers can get together when they can get away from the farm for a little bit.
0: All right, Tom. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it, Rick. All right. See ya. Yep. All right. That was Thomas Manley, the partnership director at Moses. The farming conference begins on Thursday. We got to take one more quick break. All right, just gonna wrap up here. Thanks again to Tom Manley and Moses. I think he was unpacking all day, and then he took a—he probably took it a much-needed break to to yap about farming for for the hour. But I re- really appreciate him coming on. Begins Thursday, 5 p.m. So anyone that wants to just go check it out, it's free, to open to the public, and and at 6 p.m. Tory Miller, the the—he's a Madison chef, but he's kind of. A, I I would guess world-renowned. He's on the Food Network, right, for crying out loud. Uh, He's keynote speaker at 6 p.m., and I'm guessing the dinner would follow that. So uh, go check it out if you want.